one funny nerd tangent. So you created each character as a way to deal with your one big regret. Trust me, true believer. I'd give it all up, all of it, for just one more day with her. Take care. Oh, make me over. I'm all I wanna be. I walk and study in demonology. Hello and welcome to episode 72 of Unfunny Nerd Tangent. My name is Greg, aka Captain Boomerang, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. Apparently using my scroll accent to inform you that today's show will be our review of the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe film, Captain Marvel. And to help me break down and discuss the movie, I have three willing accomplices. First, from Phoenix, Arizona, he is a hideous shape-shifting alien who's actually not that bad once you get to know him. He's not a fan of cats and is also looking for a new science guy, just so long as that guy isn't Mateo Morales. He's the newly engaged Super Jew Captain Jared Rabinovitz. Oh yeah, definitely as long as it's not Mateo. That that's science denying. <laughs> Little shout out to our our buddy Mateo there. Uh, also in 40, Phoenix, who tur- turned forty this week, so he, he did. He yeah. joined the club with me. What a champion! Yeah. <laughs> and, and immediately his back started hurting, his hips started hurting, and he couldn't move. He's way behind um, on his blog posts. Yeah. That, by the way, he yeah. was supposed to yeah. he was supposed to make a list of his forty favorite tacos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh well. One day. He could do 41. He's got a whole year to, to work up to it. <laughs> uh, also in Phoenix, you could hear him there. He views the Kree supreme intelligence as Veronica Mars. He bleeds blue, and he longs to see Ronan the Accuser in a bat suit. He also packs every meal into a Fonzie lunchbox because he's the only member of our team who could successfully eat a Tesseract. From attackofthedad.com, it's Captain Tim Agni. Hey, I did a whole semester in four-dimensional snacking at the Institute. <laughs> You'd say that like it's a joke, but we know it's true, Tim. Yep. <laughs> and our special guest this week comes to us from a distant world, having lost her memory. Logically, it's the only reason we can think of as to why she's agreed to come on our terrible show. <laughs> she's powered up her photon fists and put the her into hero. Currently the head writer over at What's Trending and the creator of the show, Blonde Jokes, it's a warm welcome to Captain Casey Spivey. Oh, my gosh. That was such a good intro. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to steal that from my bio. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll email it to you. (laughs) Just don't tell anyone it's from our show. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm so excited to be here. So, so, uh, Casey, yeah, thanks for joining us on Unfunny Nerd Tangent. Obviously, uh, as you can already hear, we're massive nerds and we are unfunny. So, what what else uh, what else could you tell your tell our listeners about yourself besides uh, you know being a, the head writer at What's Trending etc. Oh yeah, well I mean I'm a undercover nerd as well. I come from um, I did a couple of years uh, at Screen Rant, so I come from a world of being very into movies and all things nerdy. So I'm very excited to have a space to talk about this movie. <laughs> Cool. And uh, I thought we could begin uh, with, because the listeners have obviously heard our opinions, but we're just wondering what your general thoughts on the MCU as a ho- uh, so far as a whole, sort of uh, any particular standouts amongst all of these intertwined films that we've had over the last, what, nearly 11 years now? Oh, my gosh. How long do we have to talk? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I definitely have a 
I, I love comedy, so I think that Marvel has distinguished itself apart from the, you know, from DC with its comedic um, movies. So I appreciate stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok. Um, I think it fits with the style really, really well, and I appreciate that they've taken that direction. With the with DC, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Dark Knight series, um, but everything since has been really hit or miss for me. So I feel like <laughs> a lot of misses, Tim. A lot of misses. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, so I was, I, I like how Marvel has kind of leaned into its own style. And uh, just for just for Tim's benefit, Casey, what's uh, what's your opinion on Captain America: Civil War? Uh oh, I feel like this is a trap. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no there's no wrong answers except for if you don't agree with me. No. Yeah. Well, Captain Captain America is not my favorite superhero in general. I appreciate a good um anti-hero. So, I you know, movies are movies, but it's uh honestly not my favorite. Oh, there you go, Tim. Thank you. You might, Thank you. I'm the one person in the room who didn't, who didn't like Civil War, right? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so, so, so we have to follow this up. What did you think of Suicide Squad? Yeah, I did not like Suicide Squad. Okay, um, okay, you're fine, you're I, fine, you're good. Right, right. <laughs> while I do like Margot Robbie, I was, I think I fell asleep during Suicide Squad, to be honest. Academy Award winning Suicide Squad. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> we have to throw that out there for Tim because, yeah. Um, oh, but, yeah, no, I only asked about Captain America Civil War because, yeah, we have a long-standing uh, joke where we we tended to really like it and, and Tim always uh, doesn't. So, yeah. And it's, it's not oh, that I don't really like it. I'm not, like, out there shitting on the Marvel Universe, though. Like, I, I really do enjoy almost all these films. And it's just Civil War I thought was a miss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very. These movies are are, are very div- dividing between people. I feel like you either get people who it's you either loved it or you really didn't like it. It's wild how polarizing the the superhero movies can be. Yeah, it's funny because like when we started to get superhero movies, like obviously we had the Chris Reeve Superman, you know. 30 40 odd years ago and then um michael keaton as batman and stuff and then there was sort of one here and there every now and then but nothing sort of massive but then x-men started and and spider-man with uh uh what's his name um toby mcguire and that sort of thing and we sort of started to get more and more and now there's like three or four or five a year and now they're really really can say like no I, i i loved Captain Marvel or I hated Ragnarok or whatever. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, everyone was just like, Oh, I don't care what it is. Just give us something. (laughs) Yeah. As long as it's a superhero movie, I'm in. Yeah. So whereas now there's so many and they've been done so well, people can actually now, it's funny. Now people sort of feel though they can actually pick them apart and go, "Uh, yeah, that one wasn't so good. Right. Yeah. We we can spend mostly suicide school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we can spend an hour or two all the time picking them apart and tiny little minuscule detail. And I think we're about to do that with a, another Marvel movie. Is that what we're here for? Is... <laughs> a Captain Marvel movie of all things, <laughs> not just a Marvel movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, before we get into the, the the meat and potatoes of the actual movie, I want to start by talking about Stan Lee because let's sort of get it out of the way with our Kevin Smith <laughs> reference. Um, 
not only did they have the the opening tribute, which I thought was just perfectly done with all the the, the images of the superheroes that we've come to, to see over the last couple of years, but they they changed it to pictures and, and videos of, of Stan. I just thought that was like beautiful the way they did it. It actually elicited some cheers from uh, from the um, the theatre I was in, which was sort oh, of odd. Same. Same. Yeah. I, I started the slow clap in our theatre. Like people kind of were very, very quiet for a second, and I was like, "No, we have to applaud this." I, I will give him yeah. credit; he did do that. It was him. Mm. <laughs> See, I I feel it's warranted for this one. Like I I understand people clapping at particular moments of movies and especially like at premieres and things where you've got the diehard fans, but I still, in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, they're not here. No one's here to appreciate <laughs> the clapping. But this one for Stan, I feel it was more of a um, a release of, of people sort of being like, yeah, like, you know, it's nice to sort of see that again. So as opposed to trying to, um, you know, no, like I had this, one of the Star Wars premieres years ago, like when for Phantom Menace, when they were like, oh, what's the name of this droid? And they're like, um, R2-D2. It was like, yeah, all this clapping. And I'm like, he's not here. Like he's not, it's not a play. <laughs> like the, you never know. Kenny Baker could have been in there and you just couldn't see him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he traveled all the way down here. <laughs> um but yeah, but for this one, I thought like, yeah, oh, that's nice that sort of people, it was like a respect thing as opposed to a um, an excitement thing. But the big uh, cameo, I guess, when we actually, well, the big news when you actually see Stan is that since the movie set in 1995, he's on the train and he's reading the Mallrat script, which is genius. I just thought like sort of, all the way back to what might be one of his like first movie cameos ever back in Morath. And just to have him sitting there reading that script and then practicing his line, like just trust me, true believer, like just over and over again, I thought, ah, oh, that's perfect. So, and of course, Kevin Smith has become a blubbering mess uh, ever since. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, I reference these movies and these comics all the time and now they've referenced me like, wow. Like, so, um, so yeah, how'd you guys feel about not only the Stan uh, tribute at the start, but seeing him reading a Mallrat script? I, I thought that was fantastic. I was sitting right next to Tim, so I immediately was like, that's aimed at us. Like the, the opening of this movie, so we got our blockbuster reference in, which we continually come back to for some reason. <laughs> we got Stanley reading Mallrats. We've got 90s music. Like... And we've got kind of the take on the Terminator with her grabbing the clothes. Like, that was like right into our wheelhouse in the first 15 minutes of this movie. And the stand thing was just, that was great. And I've been reading the last few days, there's been some like, well, the, the universe kind of folds in on itself because we don't have Hulk and Spider-Man yet in the MCU in the timeline they've got. But in Mallrats, he's referencing those characters. And it's just like, it, wow. it, it's one of those like uh, oh oh we've uh, we've gone cross-eyed. Yeah, the the snake ate its tail a long time ago, yeah. man. We're just we're yeah. just kind of riding it out. <laughs> I never but, thought of that, but yeah. <laughs> but Stan Lee, his cameos in the last couple of movies that he's been in, and Greg, I don't know if you ever managed to see Teen Titans go to the movies where Stan Lee became no. this like almost a villain trying to fight his way into every shot so he could get more cameo time. 
which which was kind of amazing. And then uh, after that, we got his other animated cameo in Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, which was a really touching tribute. Um, you know, where where he's like, it always fits eventually, and it's you know, it's got that smile, and it seems all nostalgic, but then it pans over to that you know, no returns, no exchanges sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It just just seemed like kind of a, a classic Stan Lee joke, and uh, you know where do they even go from there to have sort of a nice tribute to Stan Lee and, and Captain Marvel just knocked it out of the park. What about you, Casey? How'd you do you feel about? Um, you know, oh, Stan? I I was crying from the moment I, the moment I realized it they had changed the um you know the sequence in the beginning. Um, yeah, I was crying. I, it was so touching. And you just realize what an impact he had on the filmmakers and in not just in Marvel, but, you know, the whole audience. I, I mean, of course, I'm sitting in Los Angeles on opening night. Like, of course, the whole theater is a blubbering mess, but it, it really was an emotional moment. And I'm so glad they took that, took the, the moment to really honor him. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean... There's a lot of things, like, I think some people were sort of uh, maybe concerned that these these cameos that have already been filmed, you know, before he, he died and things like that might sort of feel a bit tacked on or like, hey, everyone, look, there's Stan again, but they really have sort of uh, the, 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 uh, the Spider-Verse one and, and this one, they really have sort of treated it pretty much as the, the best way they could, I think. So it's going to be interesting to see... Um, what happens with Endgame? Because yeah, that's that's already going to be like a big emotional movie, I think, for a lot of people. So for to then sort of throw Stan in there again, it's going to be like, oh my. <laughs> is, is that is that the last one? Did they do I, one for Spider Man? Yeah, it sounded like they did. Cause I think he's in. I think he's in the, the Spider Man as well. It, yeah, I, I think he. They said like last year he had filmed everything that was like in production. He had done like a day of shoots, which would have mm. been. They would have been able to time it out for all of these to do it because they almost I think they were doing filming a lot of Endgame overlap with Captain Marvel just because of the, the timing. And then Brie Larson just like jumped over when they finished Captain Marvel or something like that, that it was because of the timing of these two coming out so close together that they were they were shooting part of Endgame while they were still finishing up Captain Marvel or maybe the Captain Marvel reshoots type thing lined up so and then spider-man i think was right after that so mm. well i mean they only just finished the final edit for Endgame, like the other day they said like they've they've sort of finished it off so i mean they were doing extra shoots and stuff so yeah it's not uh it's not out of the realm of possibility that the yeah, Brie larson was sort of like hopping from set to set to be like all right what am i doing <laughs> where am i <laughs> And I think Tom Holland was doing the same thing because I think all three mm. of them, like, I think pretty much from like, I want to say it was like March to August, those three movies were shooting. Like they were all wow. like in that time frame, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't, it, they were all pretty close together, you know, to get the movies mm. out, you know, they're all, we've got, so Captain Marvel's out now and then Spider-Man's out in July. So you got a four month spread between them you know that's that's about production time so yeah plus endgame has got like all the actors and all the effects and all oh, everything yeah. like i mean the, the, yeah they 
the the credits for that are going to be just insane just words 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 just (laughs) and names 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 for like an hour waiting for that stinger is going to take forever yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) that's why they have the intermission it's in the credits (laughs) and then the stinger they're just gonna put jake gyllenhaal in there have him doing some magic tricks (laughs) oh god just you'll just have just Hugh Jackman sitting there playing cards oh. with Ron Reynolds or something. Just something like completely <laughs> like oh. that would be worth waiting for. If if, if they're just both in themselves. costume, no, no, no. If they're both in costume, <laughs> or in each other's costume, that'd be funny. <laughs> Ron Reynolds dressed up as Wolverine and and Hugh was um, in the Deadpool suit. That'd be pretty funny. And, and it's just like they didn't quite undo the snap right is really what it has to be. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Everything's back to right the way it should be. Is the two of them are dressed in opposite clothes. Yeah. This, this like is how we getting the X-Men universe. Yeah. Finally getting a movie with Hugh Jackman and Ron Reynolds with Wolverine and Deadpool. Oh, hang on. <laughs> Uh, I'd still see, watch it. See, Casey, this is the <laughs> stupid stuff we come up with on this podcast. Oh, I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Casey, um, I guess Captain Marvel. We'll get we'll get into the actual movie itself now. Uh, but yeah, Captain Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers, uh, she's finally introduced to the MCU. I'm just wondering what your feelings are, obviously, um, having a female-led Marvel movie now. Like, we've already had a bunch of awesome female characters in the MCU, like Black Widow and Scarlet Witch and uh, Peggy Carter, et cetera, et cetera. But how does it feel now to have the female hero given the full spotlight for for their yeah. own movie? Yeah, I mean, unsurprisingly, I'm sure Captain Marvel's or Miss Marvel really was my favorite in the Marvel universe. I mean, probably just because I felt like I looked like her, like, you know, the blonde, whatever. (laughs) And I I remember years ago being like, oh, they're really doing a lot of superhero movies. I wonder if they'll do Miss Marvel, you know? And I felt like when they announced it with Brie as um, as the chosen whatever casting, I was like, wow, that is a perfect, a perfect casting because I just felt like something like this movie is similar to Wonder Woman or, you know, one of these movies that is so culturally important. Um, Casting the lead, I think, is equally as important, not just as can I act this part, but somebody who will really embrace the the moment and I think Brie just did that above and beyond you know with her just her attitude towards what this movie meant for the time for for the time that we're in she I think really really was perfect for the job you know I don't know if you saw her her embracing the young girls and all, all along her press tour she was making sure that there was equal representation within the reporters that were interviewing her. And if I think even on opening night, she was serving popcorn behind the counter. <laughs> you know, I, she really... I saw that. Yeah. She had like a, like a tracksuit type thing, but it was, um, it looked like the Captain Marvel costume or suit or whatever it is, but it was more just like a, a comfortable version of it, obviously. But yeah, she was, she was serving popcorn and, 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 soft drink and things like that and just and just strolling into theaters being like hey guys 
because people were losing their minds. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, of course. You can just yeah, imagine I, just seeing her walk in and just be like, you know, that, that looks like Brie Larson. No way she'd be here and just walk you away. <laughs> Casey, you live in yeah. LA. Does it does that happen to you all the time? Because I've heard that a lot of actors, directors and stuff just kind of do that there. Yeah, I mean, when I saw Justice League, Kevin Smith was in my row. Whoa! Oh, so yeah. it, was, <laughs> it was, you know, of course, but in L.A., it's very, you don't really go up to that. It's very, like, you know, leave them alone and, like, don't, don't bother, don't bother the people in their natural habitat, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't do the Tommy Bazaar and just, like, hassle them while they're eating dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think because of that culture, they feel more comfortable, like, going out because they know that people will respect their space so you do get to see people here and there so yeah it's that's exciting but i don't know i felt you know i have different i have different opinions um about the storytelling of the movie but with that said you know as a woman i think it it's hard for me because like i want to support this movie and i want to say this was important and it did well and we're you know make more you know <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean because, like, uh, Jared, I was going to ask you about this this backlash because I know you'd kind of, um, like, sort of uh, defended the movie against this sort of nonsense that's been sort of going on a little bit. But just, I just wonder what you could, on Twitter mostly, but I just wonder what what's what's going on, Jared, with like this rating bomb thing. Like, what's what's that all about? It's a bunch of toddlers got pissed off because a woman was starring in a movie and they didn't like it and they felt attacked. So they decided that their response was to just troll Rotten Tomatoes ratings and bomb it. And, and we've seen similar things like this. Like Rotten Tomatoes needs to figure out something here because we've seen a lot of this backlash on movies that isn't warranted. Like they're not, a lot of movies have legitimate criticisms you can make. And this one has a few, but what the, the backlash and the ratings that are occurring are not because of that. It's because of like political crap and sexism crap. It's kind of like there was so much backlash to Last Jedi because of what happened there and how Rey was portrayed. And it, it, it's all the same thing keeps coming back around when it's just these, these internet trolls and off 4chan and stuff decide that they're offended about something. They don't like something. So they're just going to trash it without seeing it, without acknowledging it. You know, we saw this, it, you know, kind of really, I think the first big one kicked off with was with the all-female Ghostbusters that like, oh, it's all-female, it's not the same thing. It, it's just crap. Like, you know, I'll, I'll make fun of Tim for the ratings, Rotten Tomato ratings of the DC films, but it's not because... There, there's some political message there. It's just because they're not great movies. Um, and, and I like to troll Tim. There's there's a difference there in that this is all, it's sexism. It's, it's the Trump crowd. It's everybody who feels threatened by their position because somebody else is succeeding in life or being focused that it offends them. So they decide to take take it out on these movies and stuff for no real reason. And it's just crap. Like I said, and I said this on Twitter, this movie has some legitimate flaws in plot and storyline. But that's not what's getting attacked here. And that's not what is going on. 
Yeah, people, I just want to like. They didn't. Sorry, Tim, go no, they didn't come out against Wonder Woman though, right? Like, like I don't understand no, they, why. No, that's they, right. Or yeah. at least I, they, I don't they know. did to some extent. They, yeah, they, they, I, I think so. There was some stuff about how it was portrayed in this movie. Like they, they got offended because the whole Samuel L. Jackson got screwed. Oh, human male, not a threat. Whereas that you know oh. it, 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 that, that was stuff that they were really? upset oh, about. That, really? That's legitimately what they're talking about on these chat boards and stuff wow. like that. Wow, I I didn't even think of that. No. Like I because I heard that I'm like, yeah, yeah, because they're aliens. They're like, don't worry about this human person. Like exactly. he's not, oh, people actually that like read into that as being like oh human male. Like oh oh wow. Yeah, that, that's, that's what these people are. That that. That is this mentality. Wait, well, I'm sorry. I don't. What? What are they? Human male? What? So, so, what, if you remember when they when the Kree scanned Samuel L. Jackson when they were on the ship. Oh was, yeah, yes. And, and, and they said human male, not a threat or, or low threat compared low to like threat. A, that was funny. Or, or the first, yeah, that was funny, and he got offended by it. But like the, these trolls, this group of you know adolescent boys who have never actually had a real conversation with a woman um, got offended because <laughs> they're like, oh, they're trying to say men don't matter. It's like, are, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Th- th- this mm. is relation to human species versus bunch of alien races with all kinds of powers. Like, th- it's not mm-hmm. it, it's not what they want it to be. It's, so. like the, it's like the Thor Star-Lord stuff where it's like, you're not a man, this is a man. Like, you know, like, right. you're a dude. Like, that's, that's a way that's sort of, it's on that level, really. But, yeah, yeah I honestly didn't, I didn't even think that that could no. be even a thing. I just thought, oh, there's a joke. That was funny. Great, great. Like, that's because and just how he's like, rational. oh, that's broken. That's broken. That's, you know, <laughs> it can't be right. <laughs> Greg, it's Jeez, because that's we're rational out. people who aren't threatened by every little thing that isn't like geared towards us in power. Like the a lot of these same people that are doing this online are it, like associated with like the Proud Boys and those other like borderline neo-Nazi movements, like the, the man in power, women aren't as good as us groups that are become mm. have been coming really popular with a bunch of people since about mm, 2015. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it, it's it, so it's... interesting. I, I just, you know, I have been so proud of the men I know in my life and the men I talk to that like during this whole movement, I mean, it's been an intense movement with me too. And, you know, the women's marches, and there's just like, there's a lot going on for women in this time. And I have never come across some, a man that I've spoken to that hasn't been respectful towards the movement. In fact, I've noticed a lot, you know, people can, can stumble on accident or make, or be a little bit awkward around the subject. Sure. But you know, I've even had waiters make jokes like, Oh, you know, my, my friend and I were, were working at a restaurant and like, you know, working out some stuff for a show we were doing and we were very focused and he was like, yeah, women, women working, smart women working. We love that. Like, you know, and it was awkward, but it was supportive. It was coming from a place of love. And it, I have, even in this women's day that we just had, I I just was scrolling through and, you know, whether you want to be like, ah, I just am proud of men in general for 
for generally supporting women in this time, even if we don't have the language perfect yet to figure out how to do it. I've just been, I've just been really pleasantly surprised. So it is weird to hear that there were, there's groups that are blatantly, you know, trolling. It it doesn't seem accurate as to what's really happening. And it's a small minority of people. And what they do is they basically form like botnets and it's the same people who have nothing better to do with their day. Excuse me, doing it like writing like six reviews over six accounts for the same thing and just trashing it. It's it's not a majority opinion. It's a mm-hmm. it's a vocal angry minority who doesn't have anything better to do with their time. And the, the numbers are proving how how powerless they are too. Like the, yeah. the, the their threat level is very low uh, now now that we've scanned them and seen how much money this movie can make. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. at four hundred fifty five million dollars yeah. worldwide this weekend. Yeah, that's exactly. Wow. I mean, yeah. that's it, it's yeah. I, I did think like at first I did see some of the talk, uh, you know, from the backlash and stuff being like, oh, yeah, you know, of course, of course, the woman is the most powerful person in the MCU and all this because they've got to, you know, they've got to do that to keep the, the SJWs happy and all this. And it's like, well, no, because it it is Captain Marvel. You know, like it's not Scarlet Witch that they've suddenly gone and she's the most powerful ever and and, and, and I mean, even Scarlet Witch, you can argue that like she's almost unstoppable anyway because she, her powers are basically whatever you need her to do in the story. She can kind of just do it. So, but they've never said that her powers are this and she can't do that. So it's like, well, yeah, cool. But like yeah. Black Widow was, was is beating people up for years, you know, in movies, and she was presented as sort of like the toughest person in that movie when she sort of turns up in Iron Man too. You know, everyone's like holy shit, like, who is this, you know? Um, but, I like, I did start to think a little bit like, okay, is is Marvel trying to sort of maybe create a little bit of a critic-proof movie in the sense that, like, it, it was sort of going that way a bit where it's like if anyone comes out and says, like, oh, I didn't really like it, like, oh, you must be a troll or you must be some rampant incel or whatever. And in saying that as well, like, not every woman who didn't absolutely like love the movie and think it's the best movie they've ever seen. Like that doesn't mean they're necessarily like traitors to their gender either. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it did, it did to me, it did start to feel that like the, it was leaning that way a little bit with some of the marketing and stuff. But Mm. then like James Woods came out and it was like, Oh man, no, this is where this is. He sort of put, helped me put it all back into perspective where you're like, yeah, okay. I see why they've, skewed some of the marketing that way now it's not because they're trying to um overcompensate and sort of protect themselves from critics and things like that it's to battle the backlash um from people like him and stuff like that because i had heard all this like i said the critic proof stuff and all that kind of stuff that had seemed i had noticed all of that before i had noticed a lot more of the backlash so i think if it had been the other way around i don't think i would have even thought like oh maybe they're trying to just make a a critic proof movie sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we brought up James Woods on another show, whichever one it was, I don't know if it was the last one or a couple of episodes ago, but yeah, we were like, oh, okay. Oh, the clerks. Yeah, one. Clerks the cartoon, he did voices in there. Clerks the cartoon because he turned up in that. We we're like, yeah, remember when James Woods was kind of cool? And I'm like, yeah, yeah not anymore. But anyway, <laughs> it, it but yeah, I just wondered if like, 
if, if, if like we said, there are flaws in the movie, but I mean, there's flaws in every movie. So you you can't sort of. I I don't think you can come out and be one end of the spectrum or the other. You can't be a one, but you can't be a ten for this movie. Because... Right. It's it's hard because there are so few. Super. It's just there's so few of its kind that it's hard to attack it. You know, and I don't want to make an exact parallel between you know Black Panther or um, or Crazy Rich Asians, but in a similar way, it it is cult so much more unique than other movies. So, you know, with Wonder Woman, we were all just holding our breath, like, please be good, please be good, please be good. Because like Ghostbusters, you know, if if you're going to go, hey, this is going to be for the women, and it sucks, it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> like, we're trying to prove that we can play at this level. So on some level, you want it to do so well to prove that you can make more of them. But Hopefully, eventually, there'll be so many that you can treat it just like any other movie. Like, it's okay to have female-led movies that suck. Like, that means there are just, there's movies. It's just just another movie then, isn't it? Right. Isn't that, I would assume, that's what you guys, like, like you, Casey, like, as a woman, wouldn't you like, wouldn't you love it to be, here's here's a movie and it's, like, led by a woman or whoever and it sucked and everyone just went, Ah, oh, that that movie was shitty. Not, yeah. Exactly. Oh, that movie was shitty. You see, you can't put women in the movies. It's right. just like no, that was just a shitty movie. And then the next, like, I don't know, the next Transformers movie or something comes out. People go, yeah, that was a shitty movie too. Not right. Oh, that was shitty because of the the woman, the female lead, or or the the guy lead, or the like we said, the it's a black movie or it's a gay movie or whatever. Right. It's just it's just a movie. Then so if it sucks, right. let's just say that it sucks. but like having said all that i liked this movie i didn't love it but i I liked it i don't think it's anywhere near the 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 top of the marvel films or anything like that but it's far from the bottom as well i sort of put Mm -hmm. it solidly kind of in the middle maybe a little higher than halfway or something like that like just roughly thinking um but to be fair again greg before we move on the the thing that i'm just dying to uh mansplain to our podcast listeners, uh, uh, is is this measure of female representation called the uh, the Bechtel test, which oh, is yeah, Bechtel. The, uh, sorry, Be- Bechtel test. I, I've, I had it, and I, yeah, I can't even pronounce it right because I'm. Your family I am a basic <laughs> white dude. Yeah, and it. it um, I, I was I was trying to do some research, and some uh, websites have kind of archived like what movies pass this test, and basically all the movie has to do is have two named female characters. They have to have a conversation, and the conversation has to be a, a conversation with each other, and the conversation has to be about something other than a man. And only about half of all superhero movies pass this test. But if you kind of go back and look at the ones that do, um, really, it's it's not in any particularly memorable sequence. Like the um, mm. like uh, Age of Ultron passes this test because. Uh, Scarlet Witch, or not Scarlet Witch, uh, Black Widow in the flashback scenes like has these conversations with the lady who's running the uh, the convent or whatever, um, who I guess is a named character technically. Like there's there's these movies kind of slide by, but in almost none of the superhero movies do we ever see anything that comes close to female friendship. You know, right. even even in Wonder Woman where you do have a bunch of strong female characters. Uh, to her, they have this kind of motherly relationship. She doesn't really have any female friends. 
Well, until until she meets uh, Anna Candy, I guess, and they actually do have like real conversations and stuff like that. But um, but but very rarely do we see like kind of a kind of a mature, established female friendship like what we get uh, in Captain Marvel, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Thanks for pointing uh, that out. Civil War sort of might pass the test, Tim. Does it pass? Because you have Scarlet Witch and and Black Widow sort of talking a bit. I'm, I'm not sure that it does, and, I, and I'd have to go back and look because no. I, I haven't. I'm not the one who's who's put in all the work here. Um, yeah. Yeah, but the point of the Bechdel test is to say let's have more scenes with women talking about normal things um, like they do in real life is really what the point of it is. And Captain Marvel definitely there's there's you know they chose not to have a love story in this one which i thought i i was like oh that's that's a great move you know for feminism it's not necessary but i was like oh cool and you know as i watched the film i was like yeah the story doesn't really need a love story at all it's about her all all her you know just story that's it If that's something that, um, like, if that's a trend that Captain Marvel as a movie can introduce to superhero films in general and yeah. just be like, okay, we don't need a love story in this movie, that might be my favourite thing of this movie ever. Because that's, yeah. in every superhero movie, well, who's he going to be in love with and all this? And, like, we've spoken about it, in, like, with Batman. Like, the, the Batman comics and character and stuff like that like he's rarely ever caught up in romantic stories like every now and then but not all the time yet every movie except for like what except for batman v superman tim i think it was didn't you say yeah um that's the only like batman movie that he's not like got some like romantic uh storyline or something or he you know trying to to you know chase down catwoman or he's in love with Nicole Kidman or whoever, like it's it's just like, yeah, we don't did, need it. Like, did he have it's not necessary. in Batman and Robin? Was there? I know there was some girl that Bruce Wayne was dating, but I don't know if it was a real like important character in the story. He, the Elle McPherson was in it yeah. as Julie as Julie Madison, but they sort of cut most of her scenes out, so she's in it for like two minutes because yeah. I think they they filmed all those scenes and then they realized, oh, I have, it's Elle McPherson, probably not the best actress, <laughs> so. But, um, well, it's it's yeah, it's tough with movies because as humans, love is such a huge part of our lives, you know, or the pursuit of love. So, you know, I I can see why it would be such a linchpin in in cinema. Um, but there's also so much more. We also have phases of our lives where we're not in love, or adventures that we go on that don't have anything to do with love. So. You know, I think maybe in the evolution of, you know, our culture too, there's a lot more people having single lives and adventures on their own. And, you know, maybe it can speak to more of a bigger audience too now. I don't know Mm. why that is, but. I just think like some characters, yeah, definitely. It's a major part of the character, like Spider-Man with, with, you know, Gwen Mm -hmm. Stacy, Mary Jane, all that stuff. Like, yep, totally works. Um, But someone like Thor, you know, like that's like part of some of the worst moments of Thor the Dark World was the inclusion (laughs) and the forced like inclusion of of Natalie Natalie. Portman's character. Like, well, she has to be there. Why? Why? (laughs) Like it doesn't, you don't need her in this movie. The first one. Okay, correct. No, she needs to be there so that we can get more Kat Dennings. 
damn it. <laughs> uh, did she survive the snap? That's the that's the question, Tim. Yes, we've established <laughs> she that got, she's canon. Yeah, she's she, she got removed from yeah. the MCU before the snap was even a thing. So, <laughs> oh uh, no, no, Cat no. Dennings did. Uh, Natalie Portman did not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like I like the movie, like we said. Um, it's just, but I don't think it was like brilliant or anything like that. It has some brilliant moments, but. It didn't sort of wow me like, oh my god, it's the best Marvel movie ever, or anything like that. But that's that's not like a criticism against it for me. I just think like a lot of that is probably because this is like what the twenty first movie or the twenty second movie or whatever it is, and so it's getting harder and harder to do things in the MCU that we haven't seen before. And it's kind of a shame that it's got to that point and now they're doing like the Captain Marvel movie. Like really they should have made this movie five or six years ago. So that would be sort of more like, wow, look at that. But I don't know, like Tim, how do you feel about the movie um, essentially being the origin story of Captain Marvel, but not told up in the straight up A to B to C way in the fact that like we learn Carol's history sort of alongside, alongside with her as opposed to just watching her like um, she crashed a plane and then, you know, went off to space and then she came back and all that kind of stuff. I think the way that it, the way that it was framed kind of worked well. And I think that, you know, we needed to have some kind of entry in the MCU in between uh, infinity war and Endgame, Right. And what better way to kind of fit something in than to have a prequel because like you can't, you just can't have another movie that's set amid all this chaos. Right. Yeah, I think trying to do an intro of a new character within Endgame is too much. I, I think you're right on that, that, you know, we kind of did it in uh, Civil War with Spider-Man getting introduced, right? Because I think that, that came before mm-hmm. the solo Spider-Man movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I love Black Panther as well. Um, although mm-hmm. his his, his yeah. origins were, were hinted at in um, Age of Ultron, but it wasn't until... Civil yeah. War that he was on screen. Yeah, it, and so been doing that a lot. I think this character, because of the extent of her powers and background and all that, needed that movie beforehand to set it up. And doing the prequel also worked really well because you didn't have to worry about the timeline thing of where was she during this stuff. You gave her an excuse to be away. And also, I like seeing Samuel L. Jackson in the 90s. That that was a good setting there for him because, you know, we all remember that that was kind of peak of his powers, I think, was in the mid-90s with, like, Pulp Fiction yeah. and, um, you know, his role in Jurassic Park. And there were a couple others. And then he let in. Let in never forget the long kiss goodnight. That's a fantastic yeah. movie. Yeah, so so it, it worked. Um, I, I like doing the prequel because it also it gives her the reason to be there for Endgame. You know, as we see at the end about Fury and that bond. So so it ties her back. It 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 freed them from the confines of all the other stuff that's happened in the MCU. And Casey, you said you had some not issues with the movie but you were saying like you know there was some parts in the movie where you were like oh no i want to like this more like what uh yeah what, what, i mean what I, parts I, of the storytelling sort of didn't work for you 
Well, the first two acts didn't really work for me okay. <laughs> personally. Um, you know, there's this scene where she's uh, sitting down at the table, talking with her friend, saying, remember the day that we crashed the plane and you were so excited. You woke up and you came to my door and we raced all the way there. And I was like, wait, can we just watch this scene? That would be so much more interesting as the first scene of the movie. I, I, I understand why they chose to unveil not chronologically um, her story, but I think I would have preferred to see it is to see her, we, we know it, we know what she ends up being uh, when we go into the movie. So it's not a surprise. So I would have liked to see it go from her being a human, you know, maybe a little bit further back, maybe more chronological. Um, and then, you know, throughout, this is just a personal taste of mine. Um, I think that the way her character was written kind of straddled the line between Captain America and Han Solo. And I really wish they would have just said, let her be 100% Captain America or 100% Han Solo. Um, I personally would have rather seen her be very much more Han Solo. Um, I think the dialogue lends itself to that kind of being a little more, you know, rougher around the edges but that's just not Brie Larson you know Brie is Captain America so I just kind of wish they would have gone okay well we don't have Han Solo here so let's get rid of that dialogue that is a little forced on Brie um and just have her be 100% good and pure the whole time but around act three I loved it I was in it I I loved the whatever I left the movie feeling great so um yeah, I had. I was really hoping it would come back around at the end, and, and I felt good walking out of it. So, yeah. Do you think they were trying to maybe mimic that Iron Man sort of storyline where, yeah. I mean, they, they just completely ripped off Batman Begins, I'll just say that, but <laughs> where you, it just sort of like, where is he? He's in the middle of nowhere. What's going on? And then, oh, let's flash back to like 30 days earlier type thing, and then you see him sort mm -hmm. of get stuck in the cave and that kind of thing. Do you think maybe they were trying to do something like that? Something like like that, it wasn't yeah. as, it wasn't sort of ham-fisted or anything, but I don't know, more yeah, of a, but, a mystery, I guess. Yeah, but again, like that's Batman who's an anti-hero, you know? So it's like mm. something like that kind of mysterious storytelling works with a more mysterious rougher character, I think. As, as opposed to somebody as bright and shiny as Brie is. But that's just my personal thought. I, I, like, I like Brie when she's a little rough around the edges, though. I still yeah. like, you know, I um, can't forget Envy Adams and Scott Pilgrim versus the world and, and just like that. Um, oh, yeah. You know, that, that kind of character, even though like more, more recently she's become more of a squeaky clean image, I guess. Yeah. Um, Scott Pilgrim, mm -hmm. where like every, every single actor in that movie is going to become a superhero one day. Yeah. <laughs> I also think there's an issue where to be the type of fighter pilot she was like on that advanced research team and stuff you couldn't play that squeaky clean that is not the type of you, it, when you think about okay I'm doing advanced developmental projects for the military with aviation stuff that is a that is a very specific type of mindset person that is not your squeaky clean you have to be a little 
rough around the edges. It goes back to where I saw a little bit of the uh, Top Gun influence. It is the I am dangerous chomp on that gum <laughs> thing. Right. Because you, you, if you're doing stuff like that and you're on that cutting edge of technology, you have that mindset. And, and especially fighter pilots are really on that, you know, you have to go out there Factor. and kind of – yeah, that that you're the best. You have that confidence, that willingness to push it a little further, a little faster. You know, but Greg touched on something that I think is a part of the problem with this movie, as far as the plot, which is it, it kind of it's kind of what I said with Aquaman, and it borrows so much from other storylines that we've seen. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite unique enough to stand out. I, I think the the strength of this movie is in the characters as far as who's portraying them, how good they are at the role in that character interaction. The plot's kind of squishy. It's it borrows not... too much from the Green Lantern movie. Yeah, it, it borrows a lot. Yeah. And, and there's just, you know, it doesn't seem to resonate. I think they didn't play up quite enough the manipulation angle with the Kree against her. Like, it, it, it doesn't oh, seem... Oh, they put that. Yeah. It, it, it's just all in one moment. Like that, that is something where as she starts to piece this together, her anger and questioning should be building and they don't play that well. Yeah. Cause the central conflict really, and I think it actually maybe has something to do with that Han Solo, Captain America spectrum is that the Kree want her to be an obedient rule following soldier, but who she really is, is this much more powerful hero. And that power in a way comes from her, um, her humanity and her emotions and um, yeah. and you know her willingness to to break the rules and just be who but, she is. But, but then you do that and you're back to Guardians of the Galaxy with Quill, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Too. So so there's a problem that the also uh, that whole the as soon as I saw that little thing on her neck, the control device. Oh right. I that was just so corny of a, a technique to limit her powers, like. It, it would have been smarter to say that when they were implanting memories that they just kind of limited her from accessing that knowledge that she had the power. Like, it, there's better ways to go about that than the, oh, I've got a little device, you know, transmitter device or a tracking device. It's used in so many movies that it's going to fry and that's what's going to free them or they're going to rip it out and that's what's going to free them from control. But that, they were – did they present that thing originally as being like – we? This is what gives you your powers, but also yeah, they did like, they control this. Yeah, and it, it was kind of like to, to I think when they were doing their fighting scene when she and Jude Law are fighting early in the movie and, and they're practicing, he they use that to kind of as a control device, and she's aware of it, which you know. And there's there's that other layer of sort of mental manipulation too, where he's like yeah. he's like you need to control your uh, energy blasts or whatever you know. Yeah. This. It's not. It's not cool to just shoot me. Yeah. You have to. You have to beat me in a real fight. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. Um, I mean, not to say anything unkind about the directors in any way, um, but I think something that was interesting to me about this movie was Marvel seems to have a lot of flexibility and a lot of trust in their directors and letting a director really take their style and put their you know, thumbprint on it 
you know, with Guardians of the Galaxy and with Thor Ragnarok, like they are very specific styles of films within this universe. Whereas this film, I thought, you know, if a, a director that had a very specific cinematic style came in, this could have been Girl with a Dragon Tattoo in the 90s. But you have, you know, these directors, um, from what I saw, came from television which is nothing bad against them, but it definitely had a very TV feel to it, um, which doesn't really push anything cinematically. Whereas I feel like if you had somebody come in that was very um, visually and aesthetically set in how to portray this, it could have been a more compelling film. Yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't really have sort of a style in a sense. It's just... It's just there's the scenes and then the next scenes and then there's action and then talking and yeah there's not sort of a kind of check uh, check marks like yeah. checking off plot points almost yeah yeah, yeah. And, and that's why you know it, 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 the the visuals I think were good but like you said the, the cinematic themes and pushing it and you know some of the creativity we've seen elsewhere wasn't there but I think they put so much focus onto the characters that, that all that went away, you know, specifically, specifically with Fury and Captain Marvel and Carol, like Mm. that's, and then even with, um, Ben Middleditch. Yeah. His, his, yeah. I didn't think his was as much, but, um, why am I blanking on the, uh, her, the one she flies with her best friend. Why am I blanking on the Rizzo? Oh, Rambo. Rambo, Rambo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I thought that the development there was really good. I'm pretty sure the daughter is coming back. As Riri? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The daughter, daughter Monica, has actually been uh, Captain Marvel in the comics as well. Yeah. Oh. She's one of, like, however many, four or five Captain Marvels they've been or something. She's... She's uh, one of them. Well, she's she's also I, I think a character called Photon, which is what yeah, that's it. Mom's yeah. codename was. But and going back to what I started to say was, they did so much of the character stuff, and then they also did so much to. They forced it into a lot of the MCU tie-in stuff, which I didn't like. Um, I, I liked all the tie-in I, stuff. I, I, I don't know. I liked it, but it seemed forced, and I think that's where right. The, the lack of a, a true vision, like Casey was saying, like, like something to really push it comes in. It's just, okay, we'll kind of use it. It almost got used as a crutch in the movie. It, they were good moments, but they were crutch moments. Little, so yeah, a, I, lot of, I was... a lot of people that, like a lot of, a lot of our friends in the theater, I thought really geeked out about the changing the code name to Avengers because that was what was on her plane. And and I thought that was really horrible. That, yeah. I, I, didn't, was... I didn't like that. I, I was, I was okay with like, Oh, it was the Tesseract all along and stuff like that. I was, I was, I was down. And then when he, when it was like, Oh, Avenger is her, was her Maverick or whatever. And I was kind of like, eh, yeah. that's, that's one, maybe too far, but yeah, most it, of it. I, I, I could have seen him going from the Danvers initiative to no, the Avengers rather than just naming it after her. Like something like that makes more sense than, than that being her code name. Like the, the Dan Avengers, b- because Avenger <laughs> is really a bad nickname as a as a pilot. Like I, I don't think yeah. that's a, it. Why are you avenging people? Yeah. Well, like, like it doesn't fit. Car- Carol Avenger Danvers, like that doesn't. Yeah. You know, 
I, mm. It just didn't fit. Like, Oh, Greg, can you explain this to me? And this is a complete departure. How come we have Carol Danvers in the Marvel Universe? Because I, I was trying to research this and, and couldn't really find a satisfying answer. Why is Supergirl named Kara Danvers or Kara Zor-El and then Power Girl Carl. is also... Yeah. Power Girl is kind of also named Danvers, right, though? Like, they, they all kind of... Well, Pal, Pal Girl is Supergirl from a different right. Earth. So there's that. But, yeah, I'm not sure about the Supergirl thing because when that show started, yeah, there were every every second, like, line out of... Um, um, I can't remember her name, Ali McBeal's mouth when she was in, you know, she's like, um, well, Miss Danvers, oh, blah, 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 Miss Danvers. Oh, hello, Miss Danvers. And you're like, that's, that's, that's Carol's name. Like, right. <laughs> so. But I, I think know, Supergirl had it, had it first, but it wasn't always her name. She was, she was Linda Lee, yeah. I guess, in the early incantation or uh, incarnations and then became mm. Linda Lee Danvers and then Cara Danvers or it was, and there have been a lot of different like retellings of what Supergirl was. Like she was a she was like a pink blob in the nineties. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, but that wasn't that's because it wasn't Supergirl. Yeah. It was yeah. It was I wonder a shape-shifting some, alien. Yeah. I wonder if someone pitched the idea to, to both and they were like, Oh yeah, we'll each do our own version of that. <laughs> well you have Look, at least it, at least their name isn't Martha. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's happened, I guess, with with other characters that are kind of similar too. Like you have Slade Wilson, who's Deathstroke, and Wade Wilson, who's Deadpool, and that but, that was a purposeful, yeah, uh, well, uh, decision Copy. though. If you believe um, the Deadpool creator, I can't think of his name either. But Rob Liefeld. he was like, well, it kind of yeah. looks like dead like he drew the character or whatever and someone said to him it just looks like deathstroke and he's like oh does it yeah a bit i'll change him a little bit and they're like oh well i won't call him slade wilson i'll call him wade wilson that's way different yeah i love deadpool yeah. anyways <laughs> but i just thought like the I, I i liked some of the easter eggs that we saw like the mcu stuff like obviously like ronan's there and 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 um Karath or Karath, whatever his name is. I wanted um, more of those guys. I wanted I wanted to see like how they became best friends and and decided like, hey, let's let's peace out on this and go do a different genocide on the other side of the galaxy. Yeah. Um the like Colson, obviously. I thought he was gonna be in the movie more than he was, to be honest. It's sort of like, oh, they brought him back just to sort of be like cameo guy again. Like mm-hmm. um, I expected him to be not in it all the time, but I thought he would be in it more but uh, i guess that that jet thing whatever they take they fly around in i guess that's sort of meant to be the the um prototype, prototype queen, queen jet, jet or yeah. whatever yeah and then of course it gets it gets uh fixed up and augmented by by the the, the um the scroll science guy so i guess there's sort of there's your leap in technology sort of thing it's not like well how could they have made that in 1995 um but I like the Tesseract turning up. Well, not only that, but the but, Tesseract didn't just turn up. It turned up as the source of Captain Marvel's powers. Yeah, yeah. I like That's that because it's like, oh, they're working on a faster-than-light drive, and I'm like, ah, I, I don't like it when these movies, like, I like Earth to be Earth, and hmm. when weird shit happens, it's because we don't have weird shit. So, like, not like, oh, yeah, we just, like, built... A faster than light drive it's like nah, nah, nah. no because 
So we we haven't done that yet. Like I like it. Like if you have a faster than light drive, it's because you know the aliens gave it to you or you used a piece of technology and things like that. So I liked it in this that then it turns out that the reason that they're working on a faster than light drive is because it's Marvel doing it. So alien to begin with and using the tesseract so that was cool and then the explosion is what sort of triggers carol's powers which like although that was a, a cool sort of like i don't know just sort of how to me it helped sort of like fill it out into the mcu into the mcu like movie universe because we've already seen other infinity stones capable of creating superpowers because that's how we got scarlet witch and Vision. And like Quicksilver for five minutes that he was there, yeah, and um, and Vision as well. So, but I, I liked, I don't know, I I, I kind of liked the twist that the Kree weren't sort of enabling Carol's powers, but they were sort of suppressing it because then when she realizes that she doesn't need them in a sense, she just goes like full Super Saiyan and just unleashes and goes nuts. Yeah, so, I think I if like, you wanted to go. If you wanted to dive into the morality, uh, like if you wanted to have a bigger moral problem or something to, I guess, a theme, they could have been, they could have, they had the opportunity to observe that within people and on either side of the line, each party thinks that they are good and the other party is bad. So there are families on both sides of the war, you know, so that would have been a really interesting thing to observe, especially given what's happening right now <laughs> in, in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that backlash would have been rough. <laughs> oh, you needed Ronan to come out and be like, there are good people on both sides. We got that from, uh, from Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn, by the way, is he disappears into the parts of these just like shitty, sniveling villains so much yeah. that I just that I just hate his stupid face. And I and, when I, and so when I see him in like you know playing a shield supervisor in this movie, I'm like I'm like oh fuck that guy. But then when he puts on the scroll makeup, he becomes very sympathetic, and I and I can kind of get into him more. I'm like okay, I like you now. Now that you're a right. alien monster, but I can't stand your human face. He didn't do the. There's good people on both. No, no he, he did. He did. He, he did a. Uh, at some no, point, he was no, like. He did more of a. To fight this war, we've all done things we don't. That are awful. That that's a yeah. very different stance than good people on both sides. It's, well, I guess I guess that, that's that's like saying there's bad people on both sides. But isn't that kind of the same? Mm. Or not? I, I think that was a more regretful tone of. Uh, yeah. You know, to, to fight for our survival, we have to do things we're not proud of, which is very different than saying. Yeah, they're both kind of right here. It, 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 it's more of a did what we had to do type thing, which, which I think is a very different stance. I, I, hmm, his, yeah. his tone, I his most... attitude was more remorseful than it was the way it was. Not saying, yeah, it's just kind of how it is. Good and bad on both sides. It, it, it's yeah. a, we don't want to be here, but this is what we do to survive. Well, like, mm -hmm. I think the most mm. extreme example of that I can think of in comic books is like the comedian. From Watchmen, where you know, oh, like he's having a breakdown. He's like, oh, I killed, you know, I, I did some horrible things in the war. You know, he's like, oh, I shot kids and killed women and blew people up and all this. He's like, but that was war. Like, we had to do what we had to do. And then now that he's out of the war, he realizes like they were awful things, but he still did them. 
but he's not sort of like, oh yeah, that was cool. Who cares? Like it wasn't. He's not happy about it. Yeah, but nobody so, can still laugh about it. That's why he's a comedian. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it's because the joke is on him. That's right. why yeah. he laughs. Yeah, right. he, he's the only he one who sees the flying joke. Flying out the window. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I I, I thought um, I did want to just mention about uh, Brie Larson one, but when when she was sort of being kind of funny and and sort of the confident kind of smart ass here and there um, in this movie, she kind of reminded me. There's a few moments uh, where she really reminded me of like Sybil Shepherd, like young Sybil Shepherd sort of thing. I don't know why, just sort of here and there, I was like, oh, who who is she reminding me of? And then by the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, that's who it is. So I don't know whether I doubt it. It's it's like a a choice oh, or anything, yeah. but just like moonlighting Sybil Shepherd, where she sort of wouldn't take any shit, like and just be a smart right. ass and things like that. So um, and I mean, question. she doesn't she doesn't not look like young Sybil Shepherd either. So that might have been it. They look but, so similar. I, I I really liked um, like to jump forward. I really liked uh, Brie Larson in the the stinger when she just appears. Like, yeah, she just yeah. seemed really different. Like, it's like, oh shit! It was all like, where's Fury? Like, I've got time for messing about. Like, so I hope that when we see her in Endgame, that it's a case that like twenty years or whatever of fighting off in another galaxy and or whatever has kind of changed her a little and made her even more of like a a badass type thing and and just she can just return up and be like no this is what we need to do she's you know and then she can go to another level which will um you know like what do you what where do you go from here type of thing will you 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 know you show her going up another level of power and confidence and all that so that's when i actually kind of touched on one of my problems was that she became so powerful and so control of her abilities so quickly at the end like it, it was zero to hundred real quick with her, her comfort level with her abilities. Like, you know, at the end we see her flying off into space alone and like making a hyper jump type thing, like with with just her helmet on. Like, I, I thought that was yeah. right there. So, how much more can she grow as she shows up in Endgame? I don't know. I think it, I think it actually times her well to be in a similar position and attitude to kind of where Tony and uh, Cap are in, in just that they're kind of jaded from all the years of battle. They've got some PTSD, especially with yeah, Tony. Yeah. And I think, I think the way she shows up in the singer, A, she's angry because who are these people that have my friend's pager that I gave him specifically? And there's also clearly that, you know, aged, you know, fighting wars, dealing with all that stuff for years. She, what was the timeline? Six years with the Kree? Is that how long she was there in this movie? Yeah. 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 And and so she, I mean, she became a soldier. She, she learned a lot in those six years just about fighting and her powers and stuff like that. But but you're right. Like a whole a whole lot changes for her real quick and she just, she just has full control over it. Yeah. I, I will, I'll give you that, Jared. I didn't like her sort of being able to just fly off. Like oh, I can just fly to a different galaxy on my own. Like I still... Uh, I still like the idea of like, eh, you can fly around and do whatever, but you know, you still need a ship to get to <laughs> if you're going, if you're going like you know, that far away, like the other side of the galaxy or whatever it is. I don't, 
how fast can you fly? Like, did you know, did like, she fly across the galaxy? I thought she just flew into space and onto the ship. No, did you see she was right She's next flying. to him. When, when they take off the end, there's streets for both the ship and uh, her. And it's smaller, so... Because Thor can't do that. He needs the Bifrost or the uh, um, yeah. Tesseract or something to... Yeah. Even Superman, like, in general, he's not like, I'll just fly to Mars or something. It's like, mm. No, he, he does fast. that. Well, doesn't he? He throws all the nuclear weapons into the sun, right? Like he. Yeah, but that's like that's not that far away. Yeah. Like <laughs> crossing like galaxies, I guess. Like I don't know, but a uh, minor nitpick, I wouldn't sort of be like, "Well, this movie's stupid." Yeah. One but star. What I really didn't like though was the <laughs> just how heavily it, it leaned on the CGI at the end. And I know I'm a defender of a lot of big CGI, you know, doomsday fights and whatever. But um, the entire Aquaman film. Well, it's yeah. But the, uh, I, I don't know, like this movie, it had, you know, some of the, you know, just the, the fight scenes and stuff like that and, and the action that we saw kind of leading up to it felt very grounded and realistic. But then, you know, when it's just, okay, her character is 100% CGI now and she's flying through space and she's glowing and she's ripping through starships. She's it, looking like Dark Phoenix. It, it, it got pretty video gamey pretty quick. Yeah, that's sort of, I think CGI is always going to have that though, like. I don't, I don't know how you get around that. I sort of, if you have to have a big CGI scene, there's sort of no other, or big, a big epic scene like that. I don't really know how you do it without doing the CGI thing, but yeah. Yeah, I know what you're but it was, it, it was interesting because they mixed, you're right, they mixed so much uh, practical effects with special effects or visual effects. Like I would have probably, if we were going to lean into special effects, I would have liked to see the face of the, um, you know, of Ben, like Ben's face to be more CGI than just practical mm-hmm. only because it was like a little distracting. Cause I'm like, you're, you're just wearing a lot of prosthetics um, <laughs> because I feel like in star Wars, they'll mix it really well. Um, the, yeah. you know, well, like vision, people. vision is a mix. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I didn't feel like they did that here, which was almost distracting given how much other special effects they had. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, they've been cool. I'm being picky, picky now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what we do here. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, well, while we're talking about CGI, Tim, we got a lot of Nick Fury in this movie. Yeah. More Nick Fury than ever. Uh, and of course, he's been de-aged, like, to the max in this movie. Again, more than they have in any other movie, like, um, you know, young Michael Douglas or or uh, young uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. But, young Jeff Bridges in uh, Tron Legacy, never forget. <laughs> don't, don't forget <laughs> Nicole Kidman in Aquaman. Oh, yeah. Super, yeah. Um, <laughs> Jared's favorite young yeah. character. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you like Nick Fury in this or do you hate Nick Fury in this? Because I've seen a lot of varying opinions on him uh, for this movie. Like some people, um, like like I liked the idea that a lot of what we thought we knew about Nick Fury was kind of turned on its head because he it, it's just everything's stories and legends about him. And it's like, well, let's see what actually happened. But I know a lot of other people are kind of upset, sort of being like, oh, this movie sort of shit on his character and and assassinated everything we thought we knew about him. But 
I liked it because it's Nick Fury 20-something years ago. He hasn't been hardened into this, like, jaded soldier yet. He's he hasn't he's he's only just starting to deal with aliens and superpowers and metahumans if you want to call them that and whatever else so yeah, he had not know I, I, that he, he was basically an fbi agent is, mm. is the is the is what the comparison is he didn't he even tells her he didn't believe in people aliens and space people until he met carol so i liked it yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think it damages legacy at all. I felt it was consistent with the Nick yeah. Fury that we know. I mean, I don't know if they're going to ever get into like, you know, Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos type of, uh, mm. you know, I, I haven't even read those comics. And so I don't even know what to expect there. But um, I, I I dug it. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was good, too. Like Everyone thinks he's lost his eye due to like the war or he got, you know, poked out by some massive creature or something or it was a, the results of a torture session or something you know where he he didn't give up his his people or they took his eye out or something like that and it's like no he's got scratched by a cat I, <laughs> didn't i didn't i uh, joke about that as we were like like doing our group chats or maybe i, was I on Twitter. Think you did say I, something about I, I was like i was like they're gonna spend the whole movie teasing that nick's gonna lose his eye but he's not gonna lose it and then he's gonna lose it in some stupid way at the end yeah, yeah. I, I be like hot tub time machine with, <laughs> with the guy's arm. We're like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> but, but it humanizes Fury in a bit, which I kind of like, because rather than being mm. this mythical, you know, leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. who kind of knows all and sees all, we get to see him before that. And then, you know, you've got this guy who's cloaked in mystery and stuff. And, you know, got all these ba badass potential ways he lost his eye. And it's just a cat scratched it which happens to be a special alien breed of cat that can swallow the tesseract but that's a whole yeah. whole other thing it, it, yeah I, I just i liked it i liked the portrayal of him i liked him you know you see where he's got some trust issues <laughs> later in life <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it just kind of it worked and i also thought this was a good use the de-aging wasn't wasn't crazy to me. Like it didn't stand out as I've mm. seen it in other movies. Like I knew it was there, but it, it maybe because he was there so much that it just kind of didn't show as much. I, I thought it looked good. I feel yeah. like it's the best we've seen yeah. and the least distracting that, that this technology has ever been in a movie. Um, I was, I was sitting there like scratching my head, like, okay, how old is Samuel L. Jackson really? Because we just saw glass yeah. where he looks yeah. like he's a million years old. It looks like shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did laugh though when when they're like, you know, the cat scratched him. And he's like, that's all right, it's just a scratch. And you see yeah. Ben Mendelsohn be like, no, <laughs> oh no, it's gonna be like alien poison or something. I feel like it's probably a situation where like all he had to do was go to the doctor and get some like antibiotics, and he just didn't do it, and it got infected. Yeah, so, uh, right. seventy. Wow. Yeah, just turned seventy in December. There you go. Yeah, that's. I mean, I thought. Yeah, I agree with you, Tim. I think the de aging was the best we've ever seen in this. Um, I guess it had to be if you're going to have him in the movie as much as he was. So. And maybe so, yeah. that's why we didn't get as much Coulson because de aging him, it would have been too hard to do them both. Yeah, and too expensive. Possibly, just... it could be why some of the CGI at the end as well with Captain Marvel isn't as good as other things we've seen. They spent all the money on. Fury. But 
But they also did a good job with Coulson of why Fury trusts him. It, it builds that base yeah. as well. How he mm-hmm. becomes kind of the right hand. Oh, did they ever bring him back to life in the movies? I know he's back to life in Agents no. of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, no. so there's this kind of division of canon there where maybe he's alive. Well, maybe after the snap yeah. he comes back. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Um, the music was a big part of this as well, which um, I thought it had its highs and lows, but I just thought in general, like Casey, what do you, what do you feel about the music of that? Using the sort of obviously the nineties music and stuff like that. Do you think it worked yeah. or do you think it was a much? Um, I thought they like, they better have, you know, it, it would have been, you know, again, it's just like, if I had had my way, it would have been, you know, very, it, we would have had like Nirvana. We would have had, it would have been like <laughs> more, more of that like punk, like grunge of the nineties. Um, but you know, I didn't direct this movie. If but, it were up to me, it would have been know, Marcy Playground and it would have been Soul Coughing. Yeah. We would have got a little Puff Daddy <laughs> thrown in there. All the, all the stuff I used to listen to. Pavement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little more like badass. Like, you know, it was cute that it was her big fight scene was set to, well, I'm just a girl. Oh, but it was see. almost like. Uh, like I hated was, that. That's the one I, I hated. <laughs> I, that's the one I, that's. That might be the most hated thing in that movie for me is that part. They didn't just like, even bother to like remix it. No. Or, yeah, that was like kind it of. Didn't, sad. It didn't fit the scene to, for me. No. For me, anyway, it didn't fit the scene. And I just thought, like, uh, this, this is the one part of the movie that the trolls will leap on and be like, oh, yeah, okay, we get it. She's a girl. She's fighting. Like, oh, she's just a girl. Like, that was the one bit where I was like, okay, this is a bit like on the nose. This is a bit ham-fisted here, but whatever. Because yeah. they, they did the it in Guardians of the Galaxy where they, they already have like these fight scenes juxtaposed over music that doesn't really fit. And there's it's sort of explained away by like, okay, this is just what's coming up on Peter's Walkman. Or, yeah. Or, and in this case, there's I not just, really – there's not a reason for it to be in the scene – it's just, yeah. I just thought if they were going to do that, they, there's probably a thousand other songs they could have picked that <laughs> still have that same meaning, but not literally like, I'm just a girl. Like, oh, oh come on. Uh, yeah, right, what's, a, exactly. what's a better one? Like, there's got to be uh, a cold hot bitch. Donna, Donna, there you go. Donna, something like that. <laughs> See? Or but like, that's, a no that's yeah, Spice Girls is not wouldn't be bad either. Like, like just just to really go over the top with it, I guess. Like Jared said, yeah, if, you, if yeah. you're gonna go yeah. for it, just, just tell me what you want, it. what you really really want. Like, be, okay, <laughs> yeah, why not? Let's we're gonna have to yeah, remix. We'll just, we'll just remix this scene with all these songs when it becomes available. Yeah. Seriously, that would be great. Yeah. Who sings that song, The Warrior, or whatever? That that that. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Something like that. Like, oh, but that's, that's, that's 80s, that. though. It's too... Uh... You, you could have just gone with Meredith yeah. Brooks. Some people still listen oh, to this. Oh, Meredith Brooks would have been so good. <laughs> I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. Lover. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> There's so many good songs. There's. Yeah. It's. I think that's why people were disappointed. is because, like, there are so many amazing, badass female anthems that, like, really, you picked this one for the biggest fight scene? Cool. Okay, sure. Oh, I was, you know what? I was Fine. just looking at the at the playlist here. It's like they got Crazy on You from Heart, <laughs> Come As You Are from Nirvana, TLC Waterfalls, 
Desiree, You Gotta Be, Kiss Me Deadly, Lita Ford. Like, they're not even all 90s Ford, songs. There you go. Yeah. He's got 100 songs, too. Like, yeah. yeah, if you're doing that, you yeah. could have grabbed some, like, Joan Jett or something. Like, What a Man, uh, Only Happy That's When It Rains by Garbage. That's what I Bad Reputation cool. or yeah. something. Um, well, the, the, all the wrestling nerds would have thought it was Ronda <laughs> Rousey, so that would have been bad. But I don't know. Like, if they, if they had just uh, made the entire thing, like, the entire soundtrack, like, a, a tighter collection of, like, badass 90s girl power anthems... Would that have been yeah. like more two on the nose than what we got? No, I, I, go for it. Uh, like, do it. Pick pick something and <laughs> like like pick something and go for it a hundred percent. It's kind of my takeaway from the whole film. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I agree. I didn't like that they did. They got some of the bigger hits from the nineties. Like, I just think some of the timing and usage of the songs wasn't right. Like, they they were on the right track. They just didn't make the right selections. I think. Yeah, I think yeah, that might be that might be sort of um, a case of like what what Casey was saying before with like not having uh, directors that have necessarily like a super strong style. So they were just kind of like, oh, we'll just need to put these songs in the movie somewhere, whereas someone else, like we said, James Gunn or make it or, a character. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like they're just better at that. So like the, the idea is there, just the execution, maybe not as done well as it could have been but and you know it's yeah. funny because the, the yeah. Rousseau brothers came out of television right like they didn't have a lot of movie credits prior to winter soldier mm. and they, no, they, they were, I look that no. up, but. Yeah. they were able to you know take the kind of marvel formula which was already pretty well established at that point but but kind of put their own edge on it and make it like a spy well, movie. they had done a lot of community though as well and like that show had everything so you know they've got episodes mm -hmm. with with action paintball shooting guns and stuff and then they've got like zombie horror stuff and they've got um love triangles and teen angst and comedy like there's there's almost every genre sort of in that community show so they kind of had like were able to cut their teeth on that i think a little bit more than, than right. some other directors like yeah, the guy that did um fine line yeah yeah I just thought like the montage of seeing Carol like continuously stand up after being knocked down or, or like quote unquote like failing or whatever. I thought that did a much better job as being a theme of her mm -hmm. sort of overcoming um, her her issues and, and, and detractors and things like that more than just like a tacked on song that just screams at you like, get it, she's a girl, see, see. Like right. I thought like show us, don't tell us. Like just, you know, so... That yeah. those those moments and that flashback, like I thought that worked really well, but just yeah, that if I had to pick one thing that I didn't really didn't like about the movie was the No Doubt song. But another <laughs> song in that place would have been probably okay. So it wasn't yeah. the scene; it was just that song as well. Didn't seem to fit for me anyway. Yeah, um, I guess anything to say about Jude Law in this movie? I mean, he was in it. <laughs> yeah. he was I mean. Yeah. yeah, honestly, I forgot about him. But, you know, I've there's been a little bit of a trend with Marvel movies um, where or comedy in general, where you'll set up Jeopardy and you'll undercut it with a joke. Um, that happened a lot in Guardians, too, I think. Um, and I thought that they did it with him, but did it well. It didn't bother me where he was like, remember all 
the only way you can beat me is for fairly is to, t- to not use your powers or whatever. She just blasts him. I was like, okay, that was a really good use of like that kind of humor. Yeah. Um, straight out of Indiana Jones was- and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like a yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. No, but so, but I thought that was his best moment, honestly, which kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it when he hit the rock. Yeah, <laughs> I liked it when he died. <laughs> but that's the weird, other weird thing is she leaves him alive and sends him back. Like, I feel like it's so Captain America, though. Or you know, that's so, just such like a like a good hero thing to do, where you're like, I'm still moral. I'm not gonna like kill people for the sake of killing people. But we're kind of like, no. Sometimes you just need to kill bad guys. Yeah, especially in this one where she's been manipulated by this guy for years and had her yeah. life and memories taken from her by him. Like, it doesn't seem to fit what they built. Like, like, yeah, she should have taken him to court. <laughs> <laughs> Time's up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the rest of the movie is a court drama. Yeah. <laughs> And it just seems like they did it just to set it up for him to come back in another Captain Marvel movie and for her to really have to grapple with that. And it just seems, I don't know, it just seemed wasteful to me. What what do we want from the next Captain Marvel movie? Like, do you guys want to see her flying off into space with the squirrels and like trying to end this war? Or would you rather see her in the present day? Present day. Present day. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's going to be the jump ahead post end game. You can have a present day. You can have a present day story where certain events remind her of things she's done in the past, and she can have little flashbacks of, like, this is what I did in two thousand and two, and this is what happened in, whatever you know, like, things like that. Like, I would rather that than we're going all the way back to this movie now. Like, no, you can it, it just you can reference what, and you can you can reference and you can show me like her memories of her past or things like that, that happened to her in the last 20 odd years. But I don't necessarily want to see like a movie that's set in whatever, 1999 and off in the fighting the war with, with, you know, Australian scrolls and whatever else. And maybe the next movie, you know, if they can set it up in Endgame, is her grappling with maybe being a little more mortal than, she seems, she seems so powerful that maybe if she gets taken down a little bit, you know, she doesn't mm. have, not losing the battle, but not being able to do what she intends against Thanos to, to kind of maybe have to grapple with limitations of her power would be a good way to go into a new movie. Yeah. I, I work really well in the comics. She has a, a pretty close and interesting friendship with Jessica Jones and, uh, Teaming those two up would just be awesome, even though it's never going to happen on screen. Brie Larson and Kristen Ritter in a movie? Come on. I can only spend oh, so much money on tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I don't want her to be the one that, like, if if Thanos dies or if Thanos is sort of, you know, defeated by one person in, the, in Endgame, I don't really want it to be captain marvel and it's not because she's a woman or anything like that but i just think after after 10 years with all these other characters i think we deserve to see them finally overcome their greatest hurdle like not just have someone else sort of zoom in and solve their problem for them 
Um, I would rather that she becomes like part of the team and then she's a part of the puzzle. And as a, as a team, they, they beat him and stuff like that. Not yeah. like, Oh, oh what do we do? Or just yeah. like, you imagine if you had like, um, a Batman movie or something and you had Batman and Robin and Batgirl and Huntress and whoever else. Right. And then they're like, Oh, we, we got our ass handed to us. What do we do? And they just call Superman. He just comes in and like, you know, beats up Bane and that's that. You're like, oh, it, it, well, that didn't that, really sort of, yeah. you know, your, your heroes haven't overcome anything. They've just like called for help. So Superman's always busy in those situations. He's always off planet. Yeah. He's always doing something. And, and I think what you're talking goes to what I was just saying about, you know, having some vulnerability in the extent of her powers. And mm. it, you can set that up in Endgame in where she tries to go one-on-one with him and, is defeated and realizes she needs the team. Cause that could be, we, we, the backstory between when she got, you know, between the Captain Marvel movie and Endgame can be, she's been just wildly successful on her own. Mm. And, and it, it's kind of, you know, kind of Tony's thing about not really being part of a team. And, you know, we've, we've seen the rest of the characters kind of just, you know, Tony and Thor, um, which can adapt to being in that t- needing each other and maybe that's her her future is trying to realize that that she doesn't have she doesn't have to do it alone and can't always do it alone and, and we've sort of seen Thanos like already you know take away the powers from the people who have these yeah. infinity stone yeah, yeah I was going to say he essentially has the Tesseract now so um being that it's the space stone. So. And, and that's one thing to explore is that he's got the Tesseract, which is the source of her powers. Mm. But, like, she isn't powered by the Tesseract. Like, it, it's, no, no. it's not yeah. like Vision yeah. with the Mind Stone and he's that, – that is what gives him all of this power. It was a blast from the Infinity Stone that, that gave her her power. So, so it, it's a different thing that they can play with that dynamic and mm. – what that means. Yeah. I would rather see Captain Marvel like realize that, like maybe be overconfident, you know what I mean? And she strolls in, like we said, thinking she's going to just like beat everyone in five seconds and then being like, Oh shit. Like, no, I need everyone else. And yeah, it's a becomes part of the team. So, cause yeah, I think if we, uh, if all goes to plan or what we think going to happen happens then the avengers are probably going to need a new captain someone someone in the uh, in, in their team so like we, we just might have to switch out one captain for another so but yeah but uh yeah i i um i enjoyed the movie like we said i think we're all pretty much positive about it it's not the best movie ever but rarely is any other movie either so it's not like it's not a criticism of it to say that it's not the best marvel movie ever but it's certainly not the worst and there's a hundred movies that are much much worse than captain marvel so it set the um, stage really well for carol as well i think that that's That's a good you know it, it was a fairly lackluster origin story but it built the character to somebody who we will accept into the MCU fold with, with the power she needs to have for Endgame. And I think that's what we need to accomplish is, is to set her up as on that level with, you know, with the Tonys, with the, 
you know, Steve Rogers with the Thors that, that she can be mm. in our eyes, not, not amongst them, but in our eyes accepted as one of the team, have that personality basis that we, we can establish and go from there. Yeah. I'm hoping that personally, like I'm hoping what, what the first Avengers movie did for Hulk and what infinity war did for Dr. Strange. I'm hoping Endgame does for captain Marvel so that by the end of the movie, I'm just like, give me the next captain Marvel movie. I want to see it because that's how I feel about like Dr. Strange now after seeing him in infinity war, because he was, a hundred times better in that movie than he was in his own movie, I felt. so. Um, and I liked Captain Marvel in this movie. So hopefully we see her in Endgame and it just fuels the fire and we want to see more. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way I see it. Um, I will just say I did, I did really laugh out loud in that scene while they were all waiting for the CD file to load. I, yeah, that I, was, like, just... yeah. I was dying. <laughs> that, the so the other good. one was the internet cafe and using Alta Vista. Yeah. That was yeah. the <laughs> other great one. That... That was, I'm I just to... loved her reaction. She's like, what, what's happening? And they're like, it's loading. <laughs> what, what did you use back then? Because I think I probably used Yahoo most of the time and sometimes like web crawler. Yeah, web crawler. Was I was gonna say Jeeves. web crawler. Yeah, you use SGs. I don't even think I ever used SGs. I did. <laughs> but then, yeah, then, then Google came along, and it was like, holy shit! Like this is this whole thing. <laughs> oh my god! Before before we uh, before we bail out, Casey, I'll give you the last word. Like, um, yeah, what 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 are your sort of final thoughts on the movie, and and what are you hoping to see in the future for for Carol Danvers? Yeah, I think it did what it needed to do. <laughs> you know, I think it was, I think it was a success uh, in, at the end of the day. And it did what it needed to do in the MCU. It needed, it did what it needed to do culturally. And I'm excited to see how that opens the doors for many other um, different styles and different takes on female characters within a superhero context can now be explored because we checked the box. Excellent. I think that's probably the best way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll leave on a high <laughs> before, Tim <laughs> says, before Tim says something else. It just derails the whole show. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, follow us all on, uh, follow us all on Twitter. The show is at unfunny N tangent. I'm at Greg T 13. That's G R E I G T 13. Jared is at, superdue75 tim is at tim agni and also on attackofthedad.com and casey is at hey case or hey underscore case i should say uh but as, as always all roads lead to at the steel cage the steelcageshop.com is where you can find all of the network's incredible t-shirts including the sexiest star wars character of them all mon milfma please head on uh, there and you know buy some t-shirts you know in, in honor of brie larson we should see if we can get that made available in a ladies tank top ah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. i don't know that we're selling enough in uh <laughs> to get it in a tank top would you yeah. wear a mon milfma t uh, tank top <laughs> yeah absolutely all right, yeah. all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to josh here <laughs> we'll, shortly see what we can do yeah We'll explain. Yeah. We'll explain later, Casey. It's fine. <laughs> okay. It's from it's from our review of Kong Skull Island. 
Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Interesting. Uh huh. <laughs> that movie was great. <laughs> um, also, I'll, I'll model uh, it for you. there you go. I'll be your catalog model. I was going to say, most downloaded episode ever of Unfunny and Attention. But please head on over to iTunes, listeners. You can leave us a review and a rating. Um, preferably, you know, tell Tim he's wrong or, or tell Jared to go away, whatever it is. Uh, but, yeah, if you leave a rating and a review, we'll read it on the show. And, and yeah, that promises to be a lot of fun. Um, Casey, thanks for coming on the show, of course. Uh, anything you'd like to plug or um, give a shout-out to while, while we're here? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's I love talking about this stuff, and it's just great to talk with people who love movies as much as I do. <laughs> um, yeah, and you can uh, follow me again. It's at HeyCase, H-E-Y underscore K-A-C-E. It's like ace with a K. Um, and then you can check out my my work, I guess, my job is at What's Trending. And then um, I also have a comedy group. It's called The Blonde Jokes. And you can check us out on YouTube and Instagram and all of those places. There you go. Sounds good. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we might have to you – know, you might have to come back on the show for our end game discussion. Oh, I'd love to. cry with all of us over yeah. whoever else doesn't <laughs> quite make it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for uh, episode 72 of Unfunny Nerd Tangent. Uh, my name is Greg, and for Casey and Tim and Jared, thanks so much for listening. And remember, kids, if toast is cut diagonally, I can't eat it. That's a good one.